Welcome to the 9642 Podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is The Fool. Hello, everyone. We are going to talk about cricket today. And uh, we've just had the World Cup come through, which we're going to review and look at all the teams. Yeah. We're going to look forward to New Zealand's tour of India, which is, as we speak right now, started like an hour or two ago. Yeah, yeah. As we speak, India are in, I wouldn't say trouble, but, you know, not in a position they'd want to be in, I think. Yeah. The best place for them to be. But... 149 for four, yeah. which, to be fair, might be a pretty uh, useful first innings total uh, on that pitch. We'll find out. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get into that a bit later. We are going to just do a quick review of the T20 World Cup. Uh, congratulations to the Baggy Greens, uh, yeah. Australia, on a well-played final. Congrats to all the people who got the merits. Um, He's me, David Warner, showing everybody he's still David Warner. Much yeah. like I said before in our preview that he's still David Warner. I don't care what people say. And yeah, exactly. as it turned out, I was right. And Mitch Marsh, um, batting at number three, I think that was a very well-taken risk by Australia. Yeah. And it's paid off. Yeah, yeah. Batted very well in that game. Uh, I think in the end, we reviewed that both Australia and New Zealand had flawed teams for the T20 format. But because the World Cup is a World Cup, it, you know, winning tosses and things like that do help. And credit to Aaron Finch, he acknowledged that. Yeah. You know, which, yeah, there's uh, some Australian cricket bloggers who were saying he should be man of the tournament, given he won six out of seven tosses. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Australia, they decided they don't have an all-rounder, and instead of deciding to pick a somebody who would be kind of overwhelmed being played as an all-rounder, they just went with the extra batter and decided to hide a fifth bowler somewhere in their yeah. lineup. And it's worked out because, you know, they batted, batted second most of the time, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can get away with that when you have when you do that. Um, now Australia, like having that, uh, having somebody like Matthew Wade coming in at some, number seven, it obviously freed up players like David Warner and Mitch Marsh to like open up and just hit the ball as hard as he could. Even somebody who was in good form, who before the tournament, who didn't uh, play that well uh, in Glenn Maxwell, and in the tournament he kind of had an, a bit of an eh tournament with the bat that is yeah, yeah. and he was batting number four so he was kind they were kind of building the team around him and the only real flaw i think in that thing in that australia's thinking is that they picked steve smith at number three and with i think the very tacit understanding that he will be an anchor the way new zealand picked kane williamson as an anchor at number three yeah um, now, Kane Williamson as an anchor at number three for New Zealand kind of makes sense because our number seven is Mitchell Satner, who is not the caliber of batsman of Matthew Wade. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Australia don't need an anchor. You bat your seventh batsman is Matthew Wade. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not. If Steve Smith was like freed to bat 
like aggressively and do and he said he wanted to bat number three then different story like the way Kane Williamson batted in the finals yeah. like that is the sort of thing Steve uh, Smith would have to do now in that finals I think it's very harsh to say but I it New Zealand really lost it in the power play didn't they like their batting power play yeah, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a great start. Like, especially with only one wicket lost. Yeah. It became very slow. And whilst Kane managed to up that run rate reasonably well by the end of it, yeah, if they'd had a bit more of a, a productive power play at the beginning there, um, maybe we would have had enough runs on the board to justify batting first. And, and yeah. potentially... Um, put some pressure on oh, it, but... You didn't have to justify it, given we oh, lost yeah, the top. <laughs> justify is the wrong word. Sure, fine. Make it a, a... Tip the balance of odds a bit more in our favour. Yeah. I think New Zealand's bowling lineup having a... Um, having uh, Jimmy Neesham as the sixth bowler is incredible, because he's, he's almost better than most teams' fifth bowlers. Yeah. I don't think the bowling lineup was an issue and the balance there was good too. Um, but there's a lot of, I think, young, good young players in New Zealand who I think are, deserve a chance to show what they can do, like Finn Allen. Um, la, and I think someone like uh, Seifert uh, is under a lot of... So players like Seifert and Glenn Phillips were under a lot of pressure because Guptill batted so slow. Um, they didn't have those balls to get in, get their eye in, and, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and bat the way I think they felt they could. Um, but I think, do you, like, I don't think New Zealand, it's hard to say because Gup, uh, Martin Guptill is just such a good player and he's done a lot for New Zealand, but... He went and showed I think, the T20s in India straight afterwards exactly what yeah. class player he is. So. Yeah, it's, but I think it's always showed like Martin Guptill might be the anti-Saudi <laughs> in like, sure, uh, he plays well in the big tournaments after New Zealand have qualified for the next round. Yeah. Uh, and sure, he, bought, he got a double century against the West Indies in a quarterfinal absolutely deserves credit for that um yeah. and i was at that game uh but you know he also got almost he got dropped twice in that innings as well so he does have he does get the yips sometimes i don't yeah. i don't think that's unfair uh to say uh, and in the uh and because the world cup is so close it's literally next year like Australia, I think are on the hunt for an all-rounder and figuring out rejigging Steve Smith's role, and they they've got a team there. Yeah, and maybe even get Steve Smith to bowl a few because he's technically a leg spinner. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the uh, New Zealand, we know we need Kane. I think Daryl Mitchell as an opener makes the team have a really interesting balance because he can bowl you a couple of overs here and there. In Australia, New Z in Australia, where the next T20 World Cup is going to be, I think he could be useful. Yeah, definitely. In those conditions. Um, and given you have both Nisham and Daryl Mitchell and potentially even Glenn Phillips. Yeah. The uh, 
if we don't have Guptil and we pick Finn Allen as our opener, um, just thinking out loud, do we go with another pure batting or, or pure batter or maybe a batting all-rounder instead of one of the spinners? I mean, I hate to put throw someone like Mitchell Santner under the bus because I think he's a very good bowler. Um, but in Australia, I think you only need the one spinner in your lineup. Yeah, that's that is true. And, and like Glenn's one specialist. Tim Phillips's um, bowls off break anyway. Um, yeah. If you're getting a couple of overs out of him, you're getting that other spinner option. Yeah. Um, I see the logic in that, but yeah, I'm also really reluctant to to drop Satna for really not. I guess. Done anything wrong? He bowls fine. He's gets mm. wickets. He does everything he needs to do in that team. Um, yeah. So, but yeah. Then you look at who else you could drop, and there's no one, no one else really to turn to. So, the place where you're going to, and yeah, if there is a fault for Satna, is run production. Not that he does badly. He always comes in the end and is able to, you know, farm the broke off to whoever's at the other end and, and batting well, and he does that bit well, and he can run between the wickets quick enough. Um, and to be fair, New Zealand will have, I, I in theory, Devin Conway yeah. in the team, and also have a... Um, <clears throat> they will also have uh, Lockie Ferguson, yeah, yeah. which changes your bowling lineup incredibly. Oh, no, assuming both those, so I was... Yeah. Dropping out Tim's uh, and putting. So would you swap Satner for Adam Milne so you have the four pacers in Australian, two out and out fast bowlers? And um, you have the. Um, like, Tim Saldi is someone who just always performs in tournaments, so I would never drop him. Um, and Trent Bolt is like the leader of the attack yeah. in, in our T20 lineup. I think and I think Ish Sodi is also an undroppable bowler. Yeah. I think Satna versus Milne, I'd prefer Satna, um, even with the pace mm. of Milne, because um, one thing that definitely showed up was um, Ferguson getting injured and, and Milne coming in, even though Milne's yeah, most of the... the Milne is there. a fine bowler, but Lockie Ferguson is one of the best T20 bowlers. Yeah. Milne just, to me, lacks that accuracy and precision, um, and Satna has that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't see it being popping Milne for Satna doesn't seem to be to me to be a a positive like or even a bowler like Matt Henry who is accurate and quick. Yeah, that's a different. Then we get into a bit different story case, yeah. but or Carl Jamison, which it would that gives you the other better if you're yeah, picking yeah. him, Big I mean, Kyle. Big Kyle versus Satna is is a straight comparison then because you yeah. All rounder versus all rounder, and, and yeah, in yeah. that case, I think Kyle wins that that debate quite easily. Knowing uh, that he's 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 safe, fully capable to bat, he can hit hard, um, but at the same time, his bowling is outstanding, um, as is, he's proven yeah. currently, really, um, and yeah. in, over the last year, year and a half, whatever it's been, that he's his bowling is top notch. Um, he is still learning his pl trade as a T20 yeah. bowler, but a year is a long time, and he yeah. will be playing another season of IPL in that time. So, yeah, I could. I think if Cal, Cal Jameson uh, swaps in for Mitchell Santner, you've got 
I'm, and I'm not suggesting we should drop Santner. I'm just saying if they were going with the four quicks, one spin attack, that's, I think, ideal. Yeah. And if Lockie plays, like I said, I think we I arguably have the best bowling lineup because, once again, our, fifth, our sixth bowler is someone like uh, Jimmy Nisham. Yeah. And you got Daryl Mitchell there as well. Daryl Mitchell there as well. And Phillips have needed, and we, if you think about the um, other teams, very few will have five out-and-out bowlers in their team. Yeah, exactly. And very few teams are going to pick two spinners in Australia. Yeah. Uh, so that's the other side of it as well. The um, is it, uh, Conway as at number four is just such a key player. At this yeah, yeah. every game he's batted that we won, I think Conway had a key innings. Yeah. Um, I th- do we would you would he go back into the opener slot or do you think if uh, would you open with him and Daryl Mitchell if you're going to drop Guptill that way you can potentially bring in another batter or would you rather him at number four and. Ke- Maybe try Finn Allen if assuming Guptill is not picked. Yeah, I think um, yeah. To me, maybe Conway opening with um, Mitchell seems to mm. me to be a safe. Well, it's a safer pick. Okay? Um, I think. Anything of my um, first eleven of yeah. sports stars shown. Safe and conservative seems to be my way. So, um, would yeah. you have him be the keeper, or you think Seifert still deserves to keep the gloves? I think um, that's actually another thing. Is if if Seifert can show um, show the the talent we know he has and show the form that he should have, um, he's probably actually the better one to slot in at the openness bit and keep Conway mm. at four. And then you don't really change change too much. Um, but you, I we could always open with uh, Seifert and Conway yeah. and have Daryl Mitchell come in at number four. Yeah, that's another option. Um, so yeah, I don't mind having Mitchell open with with Seifert, um, and then Conway, or well, Willingson and Conway coming in three and four to, yep. to balance there. Um, I think yeah, I think if you had those four players, we've got if Seifert's on form. Yes. As, as a power hitter, then you've got Mitchell, Williamson, and, and Conway. I think they can be um, shuffled into. I think also with, to. I think also with Australian um, batting conditions and Kyle Jameson as your number seven, I th- Kane Williamson might free himself to be less of an anchor and more of a. Bat like the you know bat like a faster version of the innings he played in that final. Yeah, yeah. Uh, without needing to start as like he to be fair he didn't start that slow. It it felt slow because Guptill was really slow yeah, on yeah. the other end. I think Williamson was still going at about a run of balls. So. Yeah, and then just hit. Whereas yeah. like Guptill was going below a run of ball. And then got um, out. But this is not the bash Martin Guptill no, no. podcast, and I'm not. I'm just mere. I'm just wondering if the team are thinking about it and what you'd do if he wasn't in the team. Uh, like we like there are no sacred cows in the black caps. If Ross Taylor can be dropped, Martin Guptill can be dropped. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it does feel a bit harsh saying that because Guptill had some good innings in the in the tournament. But yeah. you say it's it's 
where he was needed, it, it was deer in headlights situation again, um, which does happen with Guptal occasionally, which is always a pity. Yeah, once again, we just need him to step up and do it. In this case, didn't. But then, oh, I know it's a different format, but go back to the um, World Cup in England 2019. Uh, yeah, he, he, he showed that he can be a big game player there too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to drop him, you know, because he's the sort of player that, yeah, sure, maybe he has not a bad game. But when he's on form, he's going to absolutely destroy an opposition. I just the if you are batting second, it almost doesn't matter if Martin Guptill's there or not because I feel like there are enough good players in yeah. the Black Caps lineup to chase down most scores because our bowling lineup aren't going to be the kind who give up a lot of runs when we're bowling first. Yeah, but the if. We're in a situation again where we have to put up a total for our bowlers to defend. I think we have a bowling lineup can, that can defend totals, especially in Australian conditions. Yeah. Um, but can if we? But you know the bowlers can't do it if the batters don't get the runs. Like yeah. the fact that we wasted a power play meant the Australian batters had confidence, even though this was the highest score in a T20 World Cup final. We nobody thought that score was gonna threaten, right? We knew we all knew that Australia had to bat poorly or New Zealand had to bowl really well to oh, yeah. uh, the power play. I thought early wickets and we'd be fine, but yeah, Australian power play was a lot better. So to be fair, the first three overs weren't too bad. It was yeah. Once we got um, once Darren Mitchell got out, that's when the breaks really went on. Yeah, it did, and it got very ridiculous there. Um. And that that would be the difference. Um, that was the problem there. And it was the difference. Australia lost their first wicket, actually, the over before, in terms yeah. of equalness, but their breaks didn't go on. Um, Marsh came out and hit I it, think so. if you're going to have an anchor in your team, and it's fine if you have an anchor in your team, that anchor can't be your opener. Your, well, Gaptil should never it has be to trying be at number to be the three. anchor. Yeah. yeah, and then so the the openers both have to go for it. They both yeah. have to hit. It's not you one will bat on and the other. No, you both have to hit. Your number three can be the I'll bat on. Yeah, you know because he you don't want to waste those power play option opportunities, especially if you're batting first because you don't know what's a good score. Like, yeah, that's exactly. the situation. So I think, but to be if I'm going to review, obviously Australia, we all kind of said that they had a flawed team so winning great work for them uh, obvi- no you can't complain when you win the tournament um uh and i said like i said and the only changes i talked about were not even personnel changes i'm just thinking maybe they want to change the plan around steve smith not even not drop him you know just yeah, yeah. change the plan around him um the new zealand there's so many options we i know we played with a weakened side we're going to have a stronger team in the T20 World Cup coming up. I think the fact that we went to the semis, I thought was going to be more than expected for me um, because I did think the team was flawed, like we didn't have enough hitting power. And I think kind of proven right, we don't have enough hitting power in the New Zealand lineup, um, which is why I'm so keen to get Finn Allen in there somewhere. I understand that. And like Glenn Phillips and Finn Allen 
suddenly you have two out-and-out power hitters in the team, and if Tim Seifert can find his hitting form again, yeah, yeah, then it's okay that Kane Williamson is an anchor. Like, you know, that fits that team. Like, that, he's a guy who basically you could play around. And he might even, Kane Williamson might even feel comfortable batting number four in a lineup like that. Yeah, yeah. And just have three hitters at the top. Like Seifert, Allen, and uh, Seifert, Allen, and um, Conway, the top three. Then you can just have Williamson at number four and have the Phillips and uh, Nisham as your finishers. Yeah. So he can bat around all the hitting power in the team, like basically the Lindell Lindell Phillips type role, and he can also hit himself as he's shown in that final. That well capable of like. You know, accelerating. Yeah. Uh, so that's the... And obviously the bowling lineup's going to be different. They, now, England, unlucky. The two, Lost their last two games. The game against South Africa was really a beer game, I think, at that point almost. Because yeah. South, they just knew that if they got a certain amount of runs, that they would qualify, which is what they did. Yeah. Um, against England... Against New Zealand... Yeah, unlucky to lose the toss. Yeah, pretty much. That was that was it as well. The I mean, once they were one sixty six four, like I think there was some of there was like a second or two where people were like, "Oh, maybe oh, it might be," and I'm like, "No, I think New Zealand are gonna win." Yeah. Yeah, like I think quite comfortably. And we did, like, six balls to spare in the end. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, sure, there was one really bad over from Chris Jordan, um, where, like, you know, J- Jimmy Nisham smashed him. Yeah. But, yeah, Daryl Mitchell was still there, as long as one of those two were still... And, like, to be fair, Jimmy Nisham got out to a free hit. There was three wickets left. You know, they had, like... They had, like, f- at, uh, six wickets in hand. Last ball of the over, of course, he's got a go hit it. It doesn't, like, you know, only three overs left, of course you hit it. Yeah, exactly. Why would you not? Like, that's... If, you, if you're not hitting the ball as hard as possible, you're playing for your average, and you're not a team player. Yeah. And T20's not about your average. Yeah, T20's not about your average. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he did the right thing. Even if we had lost, he did the right thing. That's yeah, yeah. not... Uh, that's. Uh, I'm not saying he's vindicated, therefore he was right. I'm like, even if we had lost, he was right to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, um, So, but I think England, there are also so many injuries, like Tamar Mills getting injured, so that, you know, I feel like, you know, death bowlers have to bowl in pairs, nobody, and if you have an off, you know, you, you can be slightly off, and then, uh, but your partner can bring you back, and I think Chris Jordan was a bit unlucky to, with the dew, Against New Zealand, like he was being just inaccurate, like just not getting his Yorkers off. And I've seen Chris Jordan just get those Yorkers off on point so many times in high pressure situations at the yeah, death. Yeah. Like, obviously, your death bowlers are going to get hammered every now and then. That is the business of being a death bowler. Yeah, exactly. You can't, you're going to have the occasional bad game. Like, you just have to be like, okay, well, one in, if you're, if you have a, 20 run over every five games as a death bowler, you're a really good death bowler. That's very good, yeah. But as you say, like, in the death overs, the batters are just swinging, and if they just yeah. have things going their way, and they hit them, 
then you know there's almost nothing you can do as the bowler. Yeah. You can try all your yeah. variations, well, everything, but the batter's going to swing. And if he hits, you just have to hope you get the Yorker off. That's all yeah. you can do. Exactly. And the um, the, so the death bowling, um, the England are going to have in, uh, so they'll have Tymal Mills back. I think they'll still keep Chris Jordan. I hope he doesn't get dropped. They'll have Jofra Archer. Yeah. They'll have Ben Stokes. So they'll have an actual. They'll have Moin Ali still. So two incredible all-rounders to have in your team. Yeah. Um. Uh, who are uh, on really good form like England don't like I think Joe Root is a better T20 player than Kane Williamson or Steve Smith but England don't need to pick him like that's <laughs> how good their batting lineup is like yeah. they don't need to pick one of their one of the big four who they have yeah. um, Johnny Bairstow might be up there as with David Warner and AB de Villiers as one of the best T20 player uh, batters of all time one of those just can change the game on his own, like incredible batter who, like, yeah, he and he does it in ODIs and T20s so easily. He just, yeah, yeah, you know, he if he's in playing in the power play, he'll get you 10 15 runs and over, and then in your uh, in between over six and uh, 16, he's just gonna he's gonna still go at eight to 10 runs and over, like, that's just how incredibly good he is, yeah. Um, uh, so, you've got him, and you've got uh, the uh, you've got Al Alex Hales, you've got um, Jason Roy, Vince. Yeah. It's just so it's they are a stacked, stacked, stacked team. Very much so. Yeah. So, I would be very surprised if they didn't uh, also be in the contention. They're already my favorites for the next <laughs> yeah. World Cup. Just putting it out there. No, definitely. I think you're right. They they say they're a stacked team. They've got players all around the park and through all positions that are game winners and yep. game changers. They'll go into the next tournament as favourites again. Yeah. The only issue is with Oin Morgan. Um, I feel like Oin Morgan doesn't do as much as Kane Williamson does in T20s, and I'm not mm. even saying Kane Williamson is necessarily a top level T20 batter. Yeah. He's a top-level T20 anchor, which is not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And not every team needs an anchor. New Zealand have kind of built a built a team that needs an anchor, but all because they want him in that team. Yeah. You can't really not have your best batter. Yeah. Like best. Whereas. Assistance. Whereas, like Oin Morgan is, he's an incredible captain. <laughs> Excuse me, uh, but he's uh, he's always been a kind of mercurial T20 player. Sometimes he's incredible and sometimes he's not. Whereas Kane Williamson is at least always kind of consistent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we know batting second, Kane Williamson will generally make sure we win the game. Yeah. Like that's the sort of player he is. And batting first, he normally has a good hand in trying to get us somewhere close to what is at least a pass score. Yeah, yeah. Now, the uh, but I don't think they're necessarily going to drop Morgan. I think they're going to go one more go with this lineup that England have, yep. and then it'll be what do we do? Who do we retain for the twenty twenty three World Cup in India? Yeah, yeah. Uh, ODI World Cup, that is. Yeah. Now, 
Pakistan, incredible tournament, so unlucky to lose the toss in the semi-final to Australia. Uh, I don't know what else you can say about it. They batted really well to get 176, I thought. I didn't think yeah. it was going to be a winning score because I didn't realize they had... Like, at first I thought that could be a winning score and then I saw Australia had Matthew Wade at number 7 and I was like, yeah, sorry. I, I it's, diff- it's rough to say, Babar Azam getting 39 of 34 balls at just and Mohammad Rizwan only getting 67 of 52 that might have been the knockout as yeah. well the those two could have pushed for more tempo because Fakir Zaman had did Fakir Zaman things uh in the, and the rest of the lineup didn't really do much else uh, 176 in the end. I think this is the thing. Like, I'm not going to be too critical about the first innings batting of Pakistan because they still did okay. And the thing is, it seems that the ball is doesn't come onto the bat that well in the first power first batting power play if you're playing a day night game. So it's even yeah. more heavily weighted against you. Yeah, yeah. In uh the UAE. Uh, if you play, uh, if you bat, bat first, in especially in a day-night game, yeah. and then there's the deal when you go to defend with your bowling. So yeah, exactly. it's a very difficult situation for them. But yeah, Australia got through quickly. But I think it's Pakistan. I think I feel like they're gonna kick themselves a bit. Um, this they were in form. Everybody was hitting, you know, catching fire, and they're used to UAE conditions. Yeah. They're so good. They know how to operate in them. Like I think, I think they'll still be very competitive in Australia, but I think India's gonna lose to them again. For example, yeah. if they play them in the group stage or the semis, um, I don't think that there's like you know they might not get as lucky with the tosses either. No, exactly. I, I think you're right. In in Australia, I don't really see them. Losing to India or beating India, I don't see them beating Australia. I don't even see them beating us in Australian conditions. Though it could be a. a... I mean, batting batting first, definitely not. And batting second, I think uh, New Zealand have the bowling and India have the bowling for sure. And Australia mm-hmm. to to be to where it still be fifty yeah. fifty in that situation. So yeah, it's uh. I mean, obviously, any team can catch fire and catch form at any time, and if they do, they will do well, as we've shown. They've got good players. There's no, um, this is a good team, um, and they can maybe get one more World Cup out of Mohammed Hafiz and <laughs> Shoaib Malik, so the two legends. So yeah, good on them. Shoaib Malik and uh, is one of the few remaining. Sportsmen who uh, made their sporting professional sporting debut in the nineties that are still playing. Oh yeah, I think you've been to them before. It's crazy. Along with people like Kelly Slater and um, Roger Federer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the level of player he is. Yeah. Uh, Good on you, Shoaib Malik. As for the other teams, let's see. I think India, let's go through Group 2. India, I think, are going to be very disappointed. Uh, yeah. This was supposed to be their host tournament. This, oh, I, just wrong time, wrong form. It's, and it's just going to happen in a short tournament, like the T- World T20. Yeah, exactly. It's just 
yeah, I felt that India was just unlucky. They yeah. Hit Pakistan where Pakistan were say were just they're on fire. They had everything yeah. going for them. Just one of those things. I think once they'd lost that game, it was always gonna be made it a a harder battle was then it became a much more clutch game against New Zealand, which Boss was going to play a big part in that. And after they lost that it was just a an uphill battle for them. Then they it was yeah, out yeah. of their hands. Um, they had to rely it's on... one of those tournaments where if you lose two matches, you're relying on other results. And yeah. India basically were like, I think a lot of India fans were telling me like, yeah, as soon as we re- realized we were relying on New Zealand to screw up to go through, it was going to be tough. Yeah. Go to. The, I mean, they went back, faced us the T20s in India, and absolutely pantsed us in the three T20s. Yeah, this is that's the real India, right? Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if we played a three matches uh, back to back to back against India tomorrow in Eden Park, and they would pants us. Yeah, like because that's what they did last time they came to New Zealand. Exactly. India have the problem of too many good players to pick from, and obviously there's the issue with their ridiculous anchor obsession. Like, why on? Ah, oh, it drives me crazy. When you have that many good batters, you don't need an anchor in your team. You just don't. And, like, I can understand why Pakistan and New Zealand have one. I don't understand why Australia and India have one. England doesn't have an anchor. West Indies maybe could use an anchor, but they don't have an anchor. Like, you know, (laughs) Bangladesh is all anchors. Reflected in the results, but we will talk about them later. Um, But, yeah, India has so many good players. So, player... Every country is like literally going out of their way to search for a guy who gets you can average in the mid twenties at a strike rate of one fifty plus. India gets a a dozen players who average in the mid thirties at a strike rate of one fifty plus, and they're trying to turn them into like fifty average one thirty plus. It's like who cares? <laughs> exactly. Who cares if you score a century if it's only if it, a fifty if it's only at a strike rate of one thirty? Exactly. I think that's still a little bit. Sometimes people are still obsessed with that. Of that, how much runs you score is more important than how fast you score them in T20. You just don't have the time. Like if you're scoring twenty to thirty runs, you know, in the first few overs, it's probably yeah. better than scoring your forties or close to fifty, but taking twice as long. Like, yeah, you've got the runs. Put them on. You're given a. You've got runs in the else. bank. Yeah. You've got runs in the bank. You can like you can get you could take a breather and then hit after T, i.e. the death overs. Yeah. It's only twenty overs. Like it's super intense, don't get me wrong. And I don't I don't understand why teams in T twenty why more batsmen don't just retire out. Not retire hurt, because you are allowed to retire and say you're out. Yeah. If you're not hitting it. Yeah. yeah. I do you think somebody like Martin Guptill, who was obviously out of form and just in a rut in that final, do you think somebody in that situation should just go, I'm retired out? Like, after three, two, after like two overs of, I'm just not getting it and I'm not hitting it and it's just not going to be my day and I'd rather not take up even more deliveries because the, the opposition are almost in the position where they don't want to get you out anymore. I, they want to keep you in. I feel if you get to that bit where you, you know, it's not your day, retire out is called just have a, have a walk and just swing the bat 
wildly in the direction of the ball in the next delivery and don't care what it is and see how it goes. I would agree with you, except the great Sunil Gavaskar once famously scored a 50 off 150 balls in an ODI World Cup game (laughs) while the team were trying really, really hard to chase down a really big total. And, you know, he got a lot of criticism, rightfully. And they asked him, like, why didn't you just hit and get out? He goes, look, I was in such bad form. I wasn't just, I just wasn't able to connect. Not even as I was trying to get out, I couldn't get out. <laughs> and I was okay. like, you know, and Sunil Gavaskar is not, a, not some punk. He's a classified, awesome batsman, you know? So, like, if he can have one of those days, like, should anyone think, yeah, maybe retire out? It's a T20 game. Who cares about your average? Okay, yeah, even if you can't hit out, then you're definitely and retire out is, it seems better like if you're just dot ball after dot ball and then you just swing at it and you're still not getting anything then just be like you know what this is not my day nothing's happening i'm i'm actively making it worse for my team by taking up these balls i'm gonna go out and someone else can come in and try and see if they can do better than me because i'm yeah. clearly not yeah, yeah. I think the strategic um, retirement could be there could be a place for it in t20 hmm as you say, there's only so many balls to be hit at. You've got to yeah. be score. You basically got to try and score off every single one of them. Yeah. Um. And it, India's other thing, as we were still saying, it was like they still have two great all rounders for T20s to pick. Three, if they have Hardik Pandya, who, yeah. if Hardik Pandya can bowl. And I'm not even put, counting Rishabh Pant because every team's wicket keeper is a gun batter in T20. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just what it is. Um, but yes, someone, you know, if you have Jadeja, like, and they're two, they're, they're potentially the only team in this tournament that, uh, that could come in with two frontline spinners next time. Yeah. Like, I think most people will go with the one. So that's still going to give, and like that pace bowling lineup, as much as I go on about New Zealand will have the best T20 pace bowling lineup, India's is not bad. No, no, no. It's pretty good. Boo. Sure. Like. Boovy uh, players like Boovy, um, obviously Boomra is incredible, or what of Shami or Siraj? Like it's just yeah, you, And then you've got players like um, uh, v, uh, Vijay, KL Rahul in your batting lineup. You can pick this. India have options for days, so they're always going to be like I said. The way I said, England are already one of my favorites for the next World Cup. India is already one of my favorites for the next World Cup. So, yeah. short tournament, and we have to always remember, like in the T Twenty World Cup, short tournaments can create different narratives. Yeah, exactly. Now, South Africa. I think, despite they'll feel hard done by, but I think they overperformed in this World Cup. Yeah. No, I agree. I think they, um, well, I think in the end they came about where you'd almost expect them to come in yeah. their group. I don't know if they yep. overperformed, but they didn't underperform. Like, yeah, they had a very close game against Australia. You could argue if they'd won that game against Australia, it would beat them in the semis instead of it would have been, yeah. They'd won that instead game. of Australia. And, you know, we all know what happens when the Black Caps play South Africa in a knockout ICC game. <laughs> They would have to got through the um the semi final first, you know. Sure, that is true. Um, now, yeah, I think South Africa 
definitely have a good ball lineup, and they'll be one year better uh, the next one. Um, I feel like it'll be largely the same players, um, and there is a lot of things going on in South African cricket with their uh, with those tribunals about racism. Um, I've been following this a little bit because one of the players uh, accused was Mark Boucher and everybody was given the right to respond. So players like A.B. de Villiers and Graham Smith asked for more time to yeah. consider their response and respond properly. And the tribunal went, yeah, because we want you to do it properly. We're not going to push you for time. Just, you know, um, and they were going to go out and talk uh but mark boucher pretty much came out and went yeah i'm sorry like i said some shit i shouldn't have um this was and it uh and i can't even pretend that i didn't know i didn't know better blah 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 i just you know i was a different person back then i hope and blah and it's like a very and he said that he still wants to uh and he has the backing of players like temba bavuma because he's the current south african coach right um and Kagizo Rabada. So he's gone. I'm totally willing to cooperate with people. Tell me if they want to. If they want to me to verify stuff I've said and other people have said, I'm gonna. And if I, you know, I'm gonna ver- cooperate and talk truthfully. Wow. So that's a big thing, really. That's amazing. I think that's some incredible like leadership there um and it will be interesting to see what the other players have to say yeah, yeah as well but it's there's definitely um and you know that could make the team play stronger together we, we can't say for certain yeah so we'll so it's always a bit difficult with south african cricket to tell what the situation will be um the next team we have is Afghanistan, the pick team I picked for the semis, I think were I think they will be disappointed with this World Cup. I don't think Afghanistan could have asked for better conditions than the UAE. Yeah, exactly. They play a lot of T10 cricket in Abu Dhabi and Dubai. They play a lot of PSL and yeah. they're obviously very experienced in these conditions and they arguably had one of the best bowling lineups to deal with these conditions. Yeah, yeah. I mean their bat first against New Zealand are basically, I think, we at that point Afghanistan had, were already in a tough position to, uh, and they probably wouldn't have uh, won the game, uh, wouldn't have qualified even if they had won that game. Um, but I don't think batting first was a good idea in that game, even though Kane Williamson said that he would have bat first, batted yeah. first. I think. Afghanistan just showed up their lack of um, big tournament exposure. Like mm. they haven't been big game players. That's the right phrasing for it. Like they haven't been into a tournament where they were expected to do well. Yeah, um, I think the uh, yeah that's true. And I think while these individual players in the Afghanistan team have been in you know clutch big game situations like Rashid Khan and. Yeah, yeah. Ahmed Nabi, they haven't been in those situations in ICC tournaments. Yeah, but I, I feel like it's a an experience that they can only get better from. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a bit the next 
um, T20 World Cup next year. Being you're almost Australia, getting a mulligan, right? By having yeah. a World Cup so close to this one, you're almost getting a mulligan to try yeah. again. And there's, I think there's definitely going to be some changes in that Afghanistan team, but yeah. I don't know if they're going to quite suit the Australian conditions as well, though, unfortunately. But mm. um, it might have been interesting if the tournaments were the other way around. So Australia first, then um, the UAE. Because yeah. that might have that would have given them the blooding of the tournament and then play in the friendly conditions. That might have been a bit better way around for them to get good results. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is the way around it is. And I still expect them to be pretty strong in Australia. Like... I still yeah. think that they they won't progress out of the group stage at the next tournament, but I think they'll give some good scares and and still be a, a force to be reckoned. I agree. I think any team with Rashid Khan, of course, is always going to be a yeah, threat. Exactly. The now in the other group we have Sri Lanka. I think that everybody they did better than everybody expected. Yeah. I mean, they came ahead of the West Indies, who were like a favourite for a lot of the a lot of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the new exciting team for T20s is and Hasranga just looks like he's going to be a future star in this format. Yeah, I think yeah, Sri Lanka, maybe maybe slightly underperformed, but I think that's more to do. I don't think it was Sri Lanka overperforming. I think it was just West Indies underperforming by a lot, um, which allowed Sri Lanka to look very good. But yeah. I think you're right that they have a very good team, um, something they can build on, and, and obviously they, their um, kit designers really just oh kit designers like top class. Yeah. I'm a, a man of the match or man of the tournament gave them a bit of a, a extra oomph as well. Obviously, hmm. I I think Sri Lanka shows the value of momentum in a small tournament because their first game first uh, Super 12 game was against Bangladesh, which was a close game, and Bangladesh nearly winning from batting first, the two vital dropped catches, mm. uh, which, by the way, dropped catches happen, so I'm not... But There was a lot of criticism of uh, those uh, things, but we will get to Bangladesh later. Uh, but yeah, Sri Lanka held their nerve, won that first game, played well against both England and in uh, and the West Ind- uh, beat the West Indies. Um, I think they'll take this. They'll take this every time. This is something to build on. They are definitely competitive for the next World Cup. I think um, yeah. they even have decent, good swing bowling pace bowlers who just keep the ball on the spot. Um, yeah, I think, and I think this batting lineup has—it's there. Uh, you gotta remember, Sri Lanka didn't have players like Dick Wella, who's an incredible batter. So that they're gonna be a threat, I think, uh, come the World Cup next year in Australia. Yeah, yeah, I think they'll definitely um be much stronger from Australia. Once again, maybe the conditions may or may not suit them as well. Um. And Sri Lanka tends not to be a good scoring side down towards Australia and New Zealand, so um, see how that goes. But definitely, you're right. Like their side is is looking well balanced. They're reasonably young team, so uh, I see them being pretty strong. Over the next yeah. Week. Next up, we have the uh, second team from the uh, the African continent. It's Namibia. 
Yeah. Now, I think they should be very happy and proud of their uh, second ICC tournament appearance. Um, good win against Scotland. I think very credible performances against all the teams. Um, yeah. The Namibians have just shown basically the associates don't get enough games. Yeah. They just need to play more, just develop, hone those skills, groove them into their body. Like this is uh that's uh there there's a making there's a skeleton of a competitive team there. Yeah. And they're they've done themselves I think they've done themselves no harm. They beat uh the Netherlands and Ireland, so they've beaten a test team in this tournament. So good on them. Um they are. I think they're a force to be reckoned with. I think they might uh, the next qualifying tournament. They'll. Uh, I think they will get through to the qualifying tournament of the next World Cup, and I think they're going to yeah. be a threat to whoever's there. Um, so the West Indies better watch out. Um, yeah. And in the other side, we have um, the West Indies now. Very disappointing tournament, I think. We all yes. wanted to see a great performance from players like Chris Gale, Dwayne Bravo, and Andre Russell. But they are an aging side, and we did say that, that was, this was their last dance. So I think the only team that doesn't get a mulligan is the West Indies, because they're going to be full of young players. Yeah, yeah. And these players are all guns. They're almost replacing them with younger, at this stage, better players yeah. for every position. Um... Maybe an Allen is like the best fielder in the world and a gun opener. He's just basically got a slot. He would have played if he wasn't injured. Yeah. Um, I expect Sunil Nareen to be fit for the next World Cup. Yeah, um, yeah. I hope Andre Russell is fit for the next World Cup because he would be such like you know we just we all want to see Andre Russell go crazy in a. Yeah, yeah. In a in a in one ICC tournament, like there was like three seasons of the IPL where he was striking at two hundred oh, for the crazy, whole tournament. Yeah. You know, like that's what we want to say from him. Like yeah. this is th this is what you want your number seven batter to be. Like that's the uh, like uh, and so. The West Indies always are going to be a threat because we know the kind of players they produce and we know the CPL are always going to produce a certain type of bowler and a certain type of cricketer who is like that wily professional who just knows what they're doing and is very good at it. Like they stick to the plan. I think the West in India, in Australia, they're going to stick to the plans. They're going to go back to hit sixes, yeah. uh, try, and, uh, try and hit more sixes than... You know, improve the six to four ratio, and you and you, the team that hits more sixes will win the game. And yeah. I think that plan's going to be quite effective in Australia if they can pull it off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I agree. Uh, I feel well, like yeah, the next World Cup they won't be quite as disappointing. Um, I say it was the aging one, and it it showed up. Yeah. it was either it was going to be a great last hurrah for their, you know last dances but it was not to be and i think that just showed the the age of the team more than anything they say they'll yeah. come to australia uh, with a younger fitter better team now and so the, yeah see them a different west indies but potentially a better western 
And as long as their game plan of hit all the sixes comes off, they'll go all the way. Yeah, absolutely. The last remaining team from the Super 12s are Scotland. I think they had a very credible tournament because they beat Bangladesh in the in the first round yeah. and then beat Oman and Papua New Guinea. Um, we've already reviewed the teams from the first round, so we're not going to go through them again. Scotland, okay. um, I think, should also... like They'll be a bit disappointed not to beat Namibia, and they had a few poorer performances against the full members. Yeah, But once again, I think Scotland just show like associates don't get to play enough. I don't think yeah. they... They did themselves any discredit. They beat a test-playing nation in this tournament. Yeah. Um, they have good players. They've got a good setup uh, that produces players now. They just need more game time, and they need to play more against the... Like I feel like when you are sending T20 teams to tour England, you should play like T20 games against Scotland and Ireland too. Or yeah, yeah. You know, maybe even have four-way T20 tournaments... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that. Mm, no. Maybe there should be a five. There should be a five nations of T twenty. It'd be good. Um, It'd be good. No, I agree that the the one big lesson out of this tournament is that the associates just don't have enough cricket. Um, no. And I feel like those that first round, it was associates plus Ireland, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. Um. They. That was actually a pretty decent part of the tournament. It was worth watching. It was yeah. all really competitive cricket and really good stuff being played. Um, it just showed the the difference once they got into the Super 12s. And it, they couldn't seem to be able to, to rise up to that, they say. But that's just exposure. More games against these the top teams, they say. Touring, touring England... Go through a T twenty in against um, Scotland, play the Netherlands. You know, same going South Africa. Make sure you've got a game against Namibia. Um, yeah, you know, and Zimbabwe. And Zimbabwe. Well, I was sort of leaving Ireland and Zimbabwe out because they're technically test playing nations, which could have their own tours of their own. Like because so really the other way. Like the subcontinent teams do play an Asia Cup every year. So they have Bangladesh, Afghanistan, India, Pakistan, uh, Sri Lanka, and usually an other Asian mm. team, whether that's Hong Kong or Nepal, yeah. get to play. And like that gives Asian associates like at least one other avenue to play. And I feel like the other continental associations should do something more regularly like that. Like yeah, yeah. An African Cup, like, you know, the Proteas could play T20. Like, it's not like T these T20 friendlies are going to be played with full member, your full size. You can experiment and things, but they, you know, you're giving a team like Namibia, uh, Zimbabwe, Kenya, a yeah. chance to get back in and, you know, uh, exposure and, like, you know, even like an avenue to earn money yeah, you know, yeah. for their players. And their boards to get some money from selling tickets and things like that. Um, ditto in the um, like the West Indies is already kind of I think planning something similar with Canada and the USA and Bermuda. Yeah. But yeah, even in Europe, like England, the Netherlands, Ireland, Scotland could regularly play a four nation tournament and like have a fifth invitee team depending on the Netherlands who... right there. Like they've actually got a five nations 
set yeah. up really close to each other that they could just yeah. start up. Say England, Scotland, Ireland, Netherlands. That's four, and you basically yeah. have an invite T team yeah. for your fifth. Yeah, yeah. Like you just anyone. Oman's not that far away, they can come. Yeah, or even like if they wanted to keep it European, any of the local teams, like, yeah, there's, you know, there's Germany plays cricket, yeah. France plays cricket. Yeah. You know, it's not the 90s anymore. These countries, not, and they're not just diaspora, you know, subcontinent or Caribbean players. They're like local people playing yeah, cricket yeah. in those countries as well. So, and if you've got a the game has come a long way. Hmm? Say, if you've got a Five Nations or something, that's money as well as you're saying. So, that's only going to make those countries better. Which is only going to yeah. make the sport better. Yeah. And hosting. And England's a country that always is happy to host cricket tournaments. People go to watch them. Yeah. Exactly. Even like T20. Yeah. And I think even for T20s. So I think that's an idea worth exploring, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they. So I, I think it gives the. Uh, so like I said, it gives the associates much much more exposure like and that's how australasia like we should be like you know we have a trans tasman like t20 if we play a trans tasman series with australia every year like invite png in invite yeah. fiji over yeah, yeah. Invite, you know like have games exactly i think that's a, a decent option i think we as you talked about last time as well like the big bash will super smash have a PNG franchise have a Pacific Island franchise in this mm. in these you know really help to push the cricket in these places. Yeah. Um. Now, the final team which we haven't reviewed, I've been dreading reviewing is <laughs> Bangladesh. Now, yeah, they did not beat a single full member nation. In the lead in this tournament at all, um, they were the only full member nation in their group and still lost a game <laughs> in the first round. There's a lot of problems with the way Bangladesh plays T20 cricket. As I wasn't joking when I earlier said they have too many anchors, but yeah, there's a lot of good. The the Bangladesh is like golden generation that. Those four, uh, big four plus Mashrafi, they're basically Mashrafi is already retired, and the rest of the big four are all basically retiring. Um, Tommy Migbal's already gone; doesn't want to play T20 cricket, and he's never been comfortable playing T20 cricket. Mahmudullah's given up Test cricket, so I think he's just going to focus on T20 and ODIs. And Shakib will play, but who knows for how long, because he keeps getting harassed by the board. <laughs> oh dear. And you've got Mush, uh, you've got Mushfik, who is uh, also uh, wants to play, but gets harassed by the board. <laughs> now, Mushfik and Shakib are fine players in T20. Like Shakib Hassan is more than a fine player. He's like an absolute somebody who will bat number three and bowl you four overs, be one of your top line bowlers, give you four overs every game, is like worth his weight in gold type yeah, of yeah. player. Like very few player teams can afford to not ha uh, will uh, say no to having a Shakib in their team. Yeah, yeah. I think um, that being said even um and he has batted well in 
in the games he did play. If he, um, but they're very reliant on him to get a lot of runs. If him and Mushfiq were like the, like the ones who have to seem to almost have to perform, otherwise Bangladesh does uh, gets an under par score. Yeah, uh, they they just get an under par score. There's nobody able to accelerate the scoring, and it's not an issue that just Bangladesh isn't used to overseas conditions. Bangladeshi players don't get don't score in Bangladeshi conditions. Yeah. Bangladeshi conditions are harder to score in than any other in the world. Even the UAE has a higher scoring rate than Bangladesh in T20 cricket at domestic level. Yeah. So that's a uh, and that's, I think, a worrying trend. But overseas players, while they score less than in other countries, they still score more than Bangladeshi players do in okay. Bangladesh. And that's a thing that I'll uh, point out. Like, New Zealand, until the 2000s, openers in New Zealand uh, average about 20. Like, if you took every single opener from the history of their starting tests... Till and this, when you think that we had some really incredible openers like Sean Wright, Glenn Turner, and the like, that tells you how bad it was for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. So, but overseas players would also average very the lowest. Overseas openers would all uh, would also uh, average their lowest in New Zealand. So New Zealand had the lowest averages for openers worldwide in Test cricket. But overseas openers would average more than New Zealand openers. Yeah. So the, the moral of the story is you need good soil to grow the right plants, right? Yeah, the, yeah exactly. Like, it's no coincidence that players like Mark Richardson, Tom Latham, and the like came around after we started changing our pitches in the country. And, like, batsmanship in general in New Zealand has just gotten better yeah, from yeah, that. Definitely. Um. So there needs to be a look uh, in Bangladeshi cricket about how to fix that. And I don't know if that's fixable. I'm not a geologist. I'm not a soil expert. I'm not <laughs> going to claim. And heck, I'm not a pitch expert either. Which, you know, there's three levels of knowledge that I don't have here. <laughs> but, you know, like I've been to the Sher Bangla Stadium many times. I've rarely seen... Like, are only for the 50 over cricket mind mm. but i've rarely seen a score lower than 280 there so that seems like a fine batting pitch yeah not too bad yes so i granted this was like 10 years ago but i don't think your know, soil conditions change that quickly yeah. so it does feel very deliberate um and if you don't learn to hit early you don't learn to hit yeah, this is, you know, you can learn to rotate the strike. You can learn to, leave, which balls to leave. You can learn a lot of batsmanship. You don't learn how to make that big hit, unless you. Right? If it's not in your DNA, you're not gonna do it well. Yeah, exactly. It's instincts having that attacking in. Yeah. To, to be able to go after the bowler. And I shouldn't say DNA because it's not genetic. It is like the the meme version of DNA. It has to be yeah. in. It you have to get it at an early age in uh, in your cricket uh, yeah. education. Yes, something that you have to have confidence in and have say have the instinct for. That's how you play the game. Is 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 hitting through the ball. Yeah, and going for it. 
I think that's and not being afraid to go for it. Yeah, and that's the big one. Feeling confident to go for it. Because I think when New Zealand had bad batting conditions, our batters erred on the let's hit out because otherwise we're just going to get out. Yeah. Whereas I think in Bangladesh, there's so much pressure, they don't want to be seen to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. The the num like I think Tim Saudi kind of epitomizes the approach of somebody who might develop really bad, uh, who has really solid technique and learning, but you know, he's not qu- he's not good enough to be an international batter, like yeah, yeah. a test level at all, or or even first class level. Let's be fair. Yeah. But he, when in doubt, he hits. Yeah. And he isn't afraid to hit, and like he will come off. And when he comes off, they tend to be match. They tend to be match-winning knocks. Yeah, yeah, they make the difference. Yeah. yeah, nobody's expecting it. Even not him, even him, because he's epitomizes the. I don't want to have a bat. I want to bowl at you. Um, to me, mentality to me, he's just going, just going out there, hit the ball as hard as he can. If it goes somewhere, great. If not, that's just closer to bowling, and that's what he wants to do. Yeah. He isn't going to spend hours there blocking away. He doesn't enjoy that. If he's going to bat, he's going to enjoy it. He's there for a good time, not a long time. Yep. And, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, a lot of issues there. I think Mahmoudullah, given the circumstances, captained as well as he could. He got a lot of criticism for being overly reliant on matchups because he didn't bowl Shakib out in that first game against Sri Lanka because they had a bunch of left-handed batters. And I kind of agreed with that because I thought they could, he could have tried because it's not like Shakib doesn't bowl to left-handers and he does get wickets against them. Yeah. The issue was that, look, both of the times when he picked an off-spinner to go at the left-handers, they both generated a catch. And Now, if those catches had been caught, instead of drop, we would be going on about how amazing he is at picking out yeah. the matchups. <laughs> so there isn't an issue with the captaincy there, I don't think. Like, he no. did generate the mistake from the batsman, which is what the analytics says you will do. Yeah. So the expected wickets was right. It just didn't... We just got the less than the expected wickets. Yeah. You got the expected wicket, just nobody actually went in and took the wicket to make it an actual wicket. Yeah, I mean, like expected wickets from the statistical sense. Yeah, like yeah. expected goals. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, he 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 got the he generated the charts. We did like, yeah. So I don't think the captain sees the issue. Like, and teams will drop catches. And when you have a wicket keeper without gloves on, he's definitely gonna drop catches. Like, literally, both catches he dropped were like. Yeah, look, you and I would have caught those catches if we're not wicket keepers. They went directly between his arms where the webbing would be. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Both times. Both times, oh dear. Yeah, that's definitely a, a symptom of being a wicket keeper. Expecting yep. to have a bit of, of the gloves there to help with the catching. Yep. So they're going to happen. Um, and it's unlucky when it happens to you twice in one game. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, now, the thing is, the only team I don't think can win the World Cup in Australia is Bangladesh. <laughs> That's not an associate. 
Yeah. Let me clarify. Like, I think even if Afghanistan have a chance, any team with Rashid Khan has a chance. Like, yeah, they always chance. have a chance. They have, a, they have a, uh, Sri Lanka has a chance. West Indies definitely have a chance. You know, yeah. all of them have a chance. I don't think Bangladesh have a chance to win the World Cup in Australia next year. Um, I'd get them a little bit in that they probably don't have as much chance as say as Sri Lanka, close to Sri Lanka. Um, because in Australia, I know I said they're a nice young team and then good up and comers, but I don't know. I, that said, if they're in the same pool, I'd expect Sri Lanka to, at the moment to um, finish above Bangladesh. Yep. So I wouldn't see either of them progressing out so of the... Bangladesh, because they beat New Australia and won a, beat Australia and New Zealand in a series before the World Cup started, they've automatically qualified for the Super 12s in the next World Cup. Oh, really? oh nice. They don't have to go through a qualifying tournament. The West Indies do, yeah. and Sri Lanka do. Oh. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. Well, that's lucky for Bangladesh, I guess. Yeah, like definitely, uh, definitely lucky for Bangladesh. I believe Bangladesh, South Africa, Australia, and England, uh, Pakistan, New Zealand, India, and Afghanistan have already qualified for the Super 12 in the next World Cup. And there's team, as we mentioned earlier, there is a World T20 qualifiers games yeah. going on. So, which, um, and the uh, the World T20 qualifiers are going on for the women's as well. Yeah, well, so. that's another thing to to mention. But about the women's World Cup coming to New Zealand in 2022. That'd be pretty cool. Probably get to go to some of those games because my company's um, providing health and safety for the tournament. Nice. Ever hopeful. Let's see how we go. Uh, obviously, we hope things do go ahead. Yeah. The um, the tournament, I believe, is mostly going to be held up in the Upper North Island. Is that not um, right? Oh, they've got... Bay, uh, Bay okay. Oval, Eden... Okay, no, they've got a decent amount of venues, yeah. so the tournament... I didn't see will... what the um, schedule was like, but the, yeah, the venue's all over. Got, okay. Yeah. Got the, the usual suspects all the way down to Dunedin. Dunedin, Christchurch, Wellington, Tauranga and Auckland, I think. Maybe Hamilton? Uh, New Zealand, Australia, England, South Africa, and India have already qualified. Yeah. Which is, I think that's the usual suspects when it comes to women's cricket. Um, and New Zealand opened their first game at the Bay Oval on the 4th of March next year. Yeah. That'd be cool. That will be cool. Um, I think the New Zealand yeah. women's team's got a reasonably good chance at it as well. I think um, they do. Um, yeah. Obviously, I think it might be a swan potential swan song for Susie Bates. This tournament? Quite likely, yeah, I would think. She might play on for a bit longer because she is loving the game. But um, Yeah, yeah. In terms of... of I mean, I'm in no course. hurry for Susie Bates to retire. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Yeah, no, they. She can play as long as she wants to. Absolutely, absolutely. Her and Divine. Like Not that she's asking for my permission. Just you know, <laughs> yeah. if you were asking for my opinion, I would say yeah, absolutely. Play as long as you want to. Yeah, play as long as you're enjoying the game. Yeah. Now, Eden Park, 
effective holds like a double header in the middle of March next year. So they play Australia plays India in uh, on the nineteenth of March, uh, twenty twenty two, and on the twentieth of March, twenty twenty two, England play New Zealand oh, nice. at Eden Park. So that's going to be an. Int- I believe those are weekends as well. Let me just quickly check what days those fall on. March nineteenth is a Saturday. Twenty is a Sunday. Yeah. Good. The proverbial good shit. <laughs> exactly. That'd be a good weekend, I think. Absolutely, I agree. Um, the Bangladesh women's team are doing incredibly well. I would be <laughs> remiss of me to uh, not mention them. They've just recently beaten Pakistan in a T20, and I believe they um, were became very close to uh, beating. Um, yeah, they beat Thailand as well, and they I believe they beat uh, Zimbabwe. So they've played. Sorry, they've only played the two games. They've won both of them. So, uh, beat Pakistan, and they beat the United States. Um, okay. So they scored 322 in 50 overs, and got and bullied the uh, Yanks by getting them all out for 52. Oh, nice. Good work. And the um, uh, the match against uh, uh, Pakistan, they scored. Um, uh, sorry, Pakistan scored two hundred and one in fifty overs. Decent mm-hmm. score in okay. women's cricket. And he, the New Bangladesh scored two hundred and two with in forty nine point four overs. So two balls to spare. Nice, nice, nicely timed. I think. Both matches had a captain's knock from Rumana Ahmed, the current captain, um, who's also like the veteran of the team. So yeah, I think good time. Bangladesh, I think one of the favorites to qualify, looks like. Yeah. The tournament. And on the other side, we have the West Indies, who've just who've won one game. Sri Lanka have won a game. I think there's still a lot to play for in the other group. But this is—they've only got four, and well, there's five in this group. So yeah, that. So there's three qualif. Looks like there's three qualifiers from each group, right. and then they'll probably have a knockout tournament. Yeah, yeah. The Super Six stage, yeah. Top three from the Super Six get through. Which is yeah, it should be fun. Should be interesting. Very interesting. Because we had Thailand in the previous Women's World Cup, the T20 World Cup, that is. But yeah. women's cricket is picking up. They yeah. leave Mexico and Brazil. The women's cricket team are now paid more than the men because they do better at the nice. international stage. Yeah. Which I think, fair enough. Very fair enough. Um, I think the reason why there's four and five teams in the two groups instead of like you know an even number for both uh, is COVID reasons. Looks like yeah, Papua New Guinea withdrew from the qualifier due to positive COVID tests within the squad. Ah, that bad was... luck. That was bad. But yeah, the tournament's being held in Zimbabwe. I f- feel bad that Zimbabwe couldn't make the men's World Cup last time because they held the qualifier again. So uh, hopefully the women can redeem the Zimbabwe cricket and get through as well. 
Hopefully for them. Yeah, yeah, they're currently outside the top three to qualify. But they've only played um, the one match. Only the one match which they've lost, to be fair, yeah. And Thailand, which they lost to Thailand. So yeah, high team yeah, coming up. Good, maybe good. the maybe the we always thought the sixth Asian full member would be Nepal, but well, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm looking. Uh, I should be giving looking at uh, Thailand with a shout for this too. Yeah. But yeah, so it'll be interesting. Um, the now, with the on that note, looking at New Zealand's uh, test tour of India, India have rocked on to two forty one for four. Still, looks like there's a the second new ball just taken, isn't? Second new ball has just been taken. Ninety six run partnership. Curious. Yeah, Shuris Iyer is just showing his... He averages about... He strikes at about 80% and averages about 60 in first-class level. Oh, An nice. incredible player. Yeah. So making his test long-awaited test debut. Um, yeah, somebody who I think everybody expects to be a gun at this level, like the yeah. way Mike Hussey, like in the day when he made his debut, everyone just knew he was going to be an absolute gun. Yeah. Oh, sorry, he averages only 52 at a strike rate of 80 at oh, first class, not 60. Totally good. <laughs> at the moment, he averages 42 and strikes at 100 at, in ODIs, though. All right, sounds nice. You got a player like this. This is what you... Ugh, always be so much anchor. Make him an anchor. Why? <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, Jadeja, 40 off 90. He's clearly uh, looking... I think they're both looking to bat long. Yeah. So, yeah, the... How many more overs till the end of the day today? The Ten. Over, ten more overs? Okay. Over. There's but, normally 90 in a... They probably don't want to lose a wicket. New Zealand wants to try and gain at least one more. Yeah. But yeah, I think... Even if they lo were to lose a wicket here, it's India's day, don't you think? Um, I think one more wicket puts it back to almost even footing. I think yeah, India's still slightly on top, but at five down with a new player, a new batter in. Um, coming to the tomorrow, that could be um, a bit more trouble for them, um, and they might not add as much on. But if they well, stay, it's definitely. The batting lineup have Ridhiman Saha, Ravi Chandran, Ashvin, yeah. and Aksar Patel to come in. That's very, very useful. You do make batter. good points on that, so. Even one more wicket, perhaps, is not enough to shift it too far, but. Like, Umesh Yadav is uh, no slouch with the bat, but he's no Aksar Patel. Ishan Sharma is Ishan Sharma. He's been around forever, we know what he can do. Exactly. Yeah, I they're not the only potential upside for New Zealand here I think is 
Yeah, they should be able to bat whatever India get. New Zealand should still be able to bat out a decent score and maybe get the draw. Yeah. For this game. Yeah. I think I almost feel like the unless they have a really incredible first session tomorrow morning, the the draw is kind of all New Zealand can get from here. Yeah, yeah. I think thinking about how this pitch is going to behave on the fifth day, I think that's about it. Let's because you say they have an incredible day too. That may change things around a bit. Um, especially, yeah, first session tomorrow. They pretty much have a chance of winning. They have to be batting before lunch. Tomorrow. Yeah. And at the bat through to near the end of day three. Yeah. And potentially they've got a chance then to have posted a big enough um, score to have a big enough lead that, that they can um, do something on day four, early day five. And that might set them up enough for a win. But yeah, I would imagine even a 150 cha- run chase on the fifth day is going to be difficult, given that it's already turning day one. In fact, I think it was the sixth over, the seventh over, they um, brought Wilsonville in, New Zealand did, and he was getting turned. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very, very tough. Yeah. Well, I think that's all we have time for today. Yep. Uh, one of us have to work tomorrow <laughs> yes. one of us do see you next time everyone and have a good day catch you next time